Good morning, everyone. It's an honor and a pleasure to be with you this morning. And um, thank you, Pastor Ted and Pastor Jeff, for offering me this honor to uh, share with you um, a few things. I was wondering if we could take uh, just a couple of minutes, and if you'd like to, to pray over me that the Lord will speak and not I. Would that be okay if we'd all pray for that? Thank you so much. Thank you. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Glory to your name. Lord, blessed be your name, Lord. I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak, O Lord. I pray, O Lord, that your Holy Spirit would be present, O Lord, that your presence would be felt, that you would speak to us this morning, O Lord. Heavenly Father, that your name would be glorified, Lord, that I would humble at your feet, and that your name would be glorified, that you would be praised, that our eyes would be open, O oh Lord, that our hearts would be touched. Lord, we praise your name. Glory to your name, O oh Heavenly Father. Lord, we are gathered this morning before you to praise your name. There is nothing, absolutely nothing about us. It's just about you, O oh Lord. And this is what I pray in the name of Jesus, that your Holy Spirit would help us, Lord, to understand that through your word, that you are the one that receives all the glory on heaven, on the earth, in the universe. So, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak through me this morning and that you would touch hearts and that our hearts would be touched, our eyes would be open, our minds would be enlightened to understand your word, not just to understand it, but to apply it into our lives and to worship you with all of our hearts in the name of Jesus. Amen. Sorry, I hope it's okay if I am going to see it. I'm going to read a lot, so half of the sermon is going to be Bible reading. I hope you brought a Bible with you, or maybe you have it on your phone. So we're going to read two chapters, starting with two chapters in Exodus, chapter 3 and 4. Exodus chapter 3 and 4. So, I really want to speak about God's glory, God's plan, and God's worshipers this morning. And I pray the Holy Spirit would help me to do that. So, here is the account. <clears throat> is this okay? Should I put it down? All right. So, um, it's been quite a few years before God has spoken to someone else. He spoke to Abraham. He spoke to Noah, spoke to Abraham, spoke to Isaac and Jacob. But it was really like a vision, an encounter. Yes, God came and had a meal with, with Abraham, and Abraham was actually serving God. But after 400 years is the last time we have the account that Jacob God appeared to Jacob in a dream and told him, don't be afraid to go down to Egypt, I'll be with you. After 400 years, God appears again, and he talks, and he talks, and he talks. Two chapters, 
Isn't that amazing? I mean, Moses should have been blown away, really. I mean, two chapters when God, 34 verses when God speaks. Moses speaks five verses. And he says nothing. And we'll see that. Let's read. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Madian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within the bush. Moses saw that through, though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be a sign to you that this is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, uh, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your father has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to tell the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. Go. Assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, appeared to me and said, I have watched over you and have seen what has been done to you in Egypt. And I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the, uh, in Egypt, into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. The elders of Israel will listen to you. 
Then you and the elders are to go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey into the desert to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So I'll stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. After that, he will let you go. And I'll make the Egyptians favorably disposed towards these people so that when you leave, you will not go empty-handed. Every woman is to ask her neighbor and any woman living in her house for article for silver and gold and for clothing, which you will put on your sons and daughters, and so you will plunder the Egyptians. Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you. And the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? A stuff, he replied. The Lord said, Throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This said the Lord. He saw that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, Put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak. And when he took it, what? It was leopards like snow. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak. And when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, If they do not believe you or pay attention to the first miraculous sign, they may believe the second but they did not believe these two signs or listen to you. Take some water from the Nile and put it on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Moses said to the Lord, Oh, Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue, the Lord said to him. Who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or make him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I'll help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, oh, Lord, please send someone else to do it. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, What about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He's already on his way to meet you, and his heart will be glad when he sees you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this stuff in your hand so you can perform miraculous signs with it. Amen. Now, 
Did Moses realize who was talking to him? I don't think so. Let me try an experiment. Um, can we turn off the lights here just for, just for a second? Let me see if I can get a bush. Oh, all right, I think I can do it. This is a bush. All right? Okay, so let's see how actually, what actually Moses should have answered. All right, I'm just trying this. Bear with me, please. I hope I can do it. Can I have some light on the bush, please? <laughs> let's try. If not, just here. All right, okay, we have some light. Okay, so Moses is with the ships, has do, been doing that for 40 years. And he... Oh. Wow! Wow! Lord! Lord! Lord, you are speaking to me! Lord, who am I that you would speak to me, O oh Lord? Lord, you haven't spoken in 400 years, and now you are speaking to me. Yes, Lord, yes, I will go, Lord. Yes, I'm here. I'm your servant at your feet. I'll do whatever you are asking me to do. Lord, that's fine. But I want to ask you, how did you create the universe? Lord, and the flood and our fathers, Lord, would you speak to me about your wonders? Yes, Lord, I will go to Pharaoh. It's not this the problem, Lord. I will do whatever you ask me. I want to be in your presence and hear your wonders. Glory to your name, Lord. Thank you for speaking to me. Amen. Do you agree with me? I, I think that's how it should have went. Thank you so much. We can have some more light now. I'll put a bush back. Uh, thank you, all right. <laughs> so, so, instead of bowing down before God and worship Him and glorify Him and saying, glory to your name, Lord. Whatever you're asking of me, I will do glory to your name. Moses, literally, um, please forgive me, but this is what he's trying. He's trying to fool God. So I said, Lord, the Lord used 34 verses to speak to him after 400 years. And look what Moses comes up with. Who am I? Well, let's see, who are you? You miraculously have been saved. You grew up at the Pharaoh's palace for 40 years. And um, who are you? I mean, if you were not trained, as to say, to do this work, who else? Or maybe he meant that the Israelites would listen to me. Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? He's just finding excuses. What if they do not believe me? And then he comes up, uh, I have never been an eloquent speaker, neither in the past nor since you have spoken. And then when he sees that he can find no excuses, the fifth time says, 
send someone else. I mean, how unbelievable is that? And, and, and what blows me away, he's not even paying attention to what the Lord is saying. So look what the Lord says in, verse three, uh, in chapter 3, verse 20. Chapter 3, verse 20. I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. After that, after that, he will let you go. Now look at chapter 5, verse 23. Chapter 5, verse 23. Look what uh, Moses is arguing with God after Moses went to Pharaoh, spoke to him once, once. Look what Moses says. Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble on these people, and you have not rescued your people at all. Moses, did you pay attention to what I've told you? I mean, what did I told you, Moses? So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. And after that, he will let you go. He is not paying attention. God is speaking to him. And he, his mind is not listening. He's trying to invent excuses how to not do what God is calling him to do. At least this is my understanding. If I'm wrong, please correct me. But uh, this is my understanding. So was Moses really in awe before the real true God of the universe, Adonai, I am? So why is that not just Moses? But we have to recognize that we as well take the freedom to refuse God, to counsel God. To pretend that we are listening or just talk to him as if, as if we are something. How can I give an example? Um, I suppose when we argue with God, just the way Moses did in 5.23, Exodus 5.23, you're not saving, you're not doing, and we think we're smarter than God. And really something that just touched me and I prayed, Lord, please, please help me to grasp more from the understanding of these verses in Exodus chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. Nothing is more real, alive, realistic and true than Adonai, I am. 
is his name. You cannot say his name. He was or he will be. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Hebrews 13, verse 8. Adonai, I am, is. Before the planets and stars were, he is. Before there was anything, he is. Before any person was created, he is. Before you came into this world, he is. Before people invented the microscope and they looked at bacteria, he is. Before they invented the telescope and looked at the stars, which are some good billions of times bigger and even more so than our planet, they were there a long time before the people were able to see them. And Adonai, I am, created them and gave to each of them a name. That Psalm 147, verse 4. And now, referring to us, before you could walk, Adonai, I am, was. Before you could eat solid foods, Adonai, I am, was. Before you went to school or started reading, Adonai, I am, was. Before you got in trouble, argued with your friends, argued with your parents. Before you were unhappy with the world, Adonai, I am, was. Before you got mad at God, because you believed he was doing a bad job at running the world. Adonai I am was. Before you realized that the world is really not running for your pleasure. Adonai I am was. And guess what? You were created for his glory. Isaiah 43, 7. If you read it in the complete Jewish Bible translation, it says, Everyone who bears my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I created for my glory, I formed him. Yes, I made him. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. Because in connection with him were created all things, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, where the thrones, lordship, rulers, or authorities, they have all been created through him and for him. Psalm 115, verse 3. Our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases him. Daniel 4:35. All who live on earth are counted as nothing, he does what he wishes with the army of heaven and with those living on earth. No one can hold back his hand or ask him, what are you doing? Before Pharaoh or Moses were born or before they had any plans or thoughts, Adonai, I am, had already plans for their lives, plans that through what they would do or how Adonai would use what they would do in a way or another, Adonai I am would be glorified. Romans 9.17 For the scripture says to Pharaoh, It is for this reason 
that I raised you up so that in connection with you, I might demonstrate my power so that my name might be known throughout the world. So this was the first point of the sermon, God's glory, that he created all things for his glory. And the sooner we'll understand that all this movie from the creation of the world till where the Lord Jesus Christ will appear, as soon as we understand that this movie is not about you, is not about me, but is about him, um, the freer we will be. The freer we'll be. I know it sounds like an oxymoron, but I personally found so much freedom when I understood that I was created for his glory. For his glory. Now, of course, God has a plan. And that's the second point of, uh, of the sermon. So let's go to Acts chapter 7. But um, actually, we'll have to go to Genesis. So I'll just read half of the verse, Acts 7, 17. As the time drew near for the fulfillment of the promise God had made to Abraham. So God had made a promise to Abraham. And we're wondering, what was that promise about? Well, let's go to Genesis chapter 15, verses 12 to 18. So Genesis 15, verses 12 to 18. As the sun was about to set, a deep sleep fell on Abraham. Horror and great darkness came over him. Adonai said to Abraham, Know this for certain, your descendants will be foreigners in a land that is not theirs. They will be slave and held in oppression three there for 400 years. But I'll also judge that nation, the one that makes them slave. Afterwards, they will leave with many possession. As for you, you will join your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. Only in the fourth generation will your descendants come back here, because only then will the emery be ripe for punishment. After the sun had set and there was thick darkness, a smoking fire, pot and flaming torch appeared, which passed between these animal's parts. That day Adonai made a covenant with Abraham. I have given this land to your descendants from the body of the Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates River. I'm sorry, I'm reading from the complete Jewish Bible translation, so some words are a little bit different. So God tells Abraham, <clears throat> look what's going to happen. Your descendants are going to be enslaved for 400 years. God spoke to Abraham 200 years before Jacob went down to Egypt. And, uh, and that's what happened. So in a sense, we could say that, not in a sense for sure, God had a plan for Joseph to bring the people into Egypt and for Moses to bring the people out of Egypt. So God had a plan for Moses' life 
even before he was born. Um, I was going to read Acts 17 to 38, but that will be too long, so I'll just, just leave it like that. Um, if you read from Acts 17 to 38, you'd see how clearly God had a plan for Moses even before he was born. And then Psalm 139, verse 16. Your eyes saw me saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 to 6. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. It's very hard for us to understand God's plan. It really is hard. I'm sorry, I'm barefoot. Um, and, and sometimes we are so bothered. And, and there are so many questions that we don't have an answer. You know, why they had to go to Egypt? Why would they plunder the Egyptians? There's just so many questions. And Lord, why is this and why is that? But <clears throat> let's think this way. Do you agree with me? that God is extremely wise and intelligent and all wisdom belongs to him. Do we agree on that? All right, we agree on that. Praise God. So <clears throat> let's have an image. So we say <clears throat> maybe God's wisdom is like the ocean, as big as the ocean. Is it more big than that? But let's say as big as the ocean. And my brain... <clears throat> is as big as a can of Coca-Cola. This is an illustration that Francis Chang is using in his book, Crazy Love. Now, how on earth would you feed the ocean in a can of Coca-Cola? I mean, we're so smart that until 200 years ago, we were killing ladies who were delivering babies because the doctors would not wash their hands. And they would do autopsy on dead bodies, and then they would go and help ladies to deliver. And of course, the bacteria uh, and would kill them. So we are so smart, you know, we really. So, so how on earth could a doctor in nuclear physics explain to my daughter, Arame, who is three-year-old, a number of math equations? Huh? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> One step at a time. Yeah. So even if God would try to explain to us all his wisdom, I, we were not created by him to be able to understand all his wisdom. And it comes to my mind, you know, the, the verse in Ephesians, I can't remember where it is, I think it's 117, where... Uh, Lord Jesus, it says the Lord Jesus emptied himself, emptied himself of the glory, kenosis. And uh, there's a preacher who says, it's like Lord Jesus Christ, I mean, for us to understand what he did, it's like you decide to go in the body of a dog and 
you would have to speak to the dogs, but you can't speak to them because all you can do is just bark. You know what I mean? So what God tells us, I'm sorry, I'm not saying that we're dogs, please forgive me, I'm not saying that, just I'm saying that we are so limited and that's the limitation that he has put on us. And even if he would explain, we will not understand. So here's where faith and trust comes. Even when we can't understand, we have to trust him. So Moses had no alternative but to worship God, God's worshipers, to worship God with his life. He was very reluctant, even at the point where God said to Moses, because you're hesitant, you would deserve death. In Exodus 4.24, you know when says that God would have killed him. I, I, I think it's because of your hesitance, Moses, you deserve death. But of course, God didn't do that. He had a plan for his life. Moses served the Lord and had a relationship with the Lord as no other human being in the Bible. I mean, if you can tell me, besides Lord Jesus Christ, of course, another human being who had a relationship with God, speaking to him just as a friend would speak to his, speak to his friend. It's amazing. So just like Moses, there are other people whom had no alternative but to worship Adonai and serve him. So let's look at these examples. If we go to John chapter 9, verses 1 to 3. John chapter 9, verses 1 to 3. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. He was born. He was born for the glory of God. This is such a clear, clear example. Now let's go to Acts chapter 9, verses 13 and 15. Acts chapter 9, verses 13 and 15. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. It was his chosen. God created him for this purpose. However, it might seem that some people have the option of refusing to worship the Lord, and I'm going to read this. So let's go to Acts chapter 7, verses 39 to 50. Acts chapter 7, verses 39 to 50. But our fathers refused to obey him. Instead, they rejected him and in their hearts turned back to Egypt. They told Aaron, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who led us out of Egypt, we don't know what happened to him. 
That was the time they made an idol in the form of a calf. They brought sacrifices to it and held a celebration in honor of what their hands had made. But God turned away and gave them over to the worship of the heavenly bodies. This agrees with what is written in the book of the prophets. Did you bring me sacrifices and offerings 40 years in the desert, O house of Israel? You have lifted up the shrine of Molech and the star of your god, Repham, the idols you made to worship. Therefore, I will send you into exile beyond Babylon. Our forefathers had the tabernacle of the testimony with them in the desert. It had been made as God directed Moses according to the pattern he had seen. Having received the tabernacle, our fathers under Joshua brought it with them when they took the land from the nations God drove out before them. It remained in the land until the time of David, who enjoyed God's favor and asked that he might provide a dwelling place, place for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built the house for him. However, the Most High does not live in houses made by men. As the prophet says, Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? Now, to me, this seems like some people have the alternative of choosing. I mean, with Moses, there, no, there was no way around. He had to do what God created him to do. But there seems that there are some people who may have the option to choose. Lord Jesus Christ, even though he was the Son of God, he lived the glory. He emptied himself of the glory he had in heaven and came on this earth to suffer and to die and rose from the death. Why? Because he loves us. Amen. John 17, verses 4 and 5. John 17, verses 4 and 5. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Here is the most beautiful thing in the universe, that Adonai I am is a genuine, loving God who even washed the feet of his creation. John 13. We are called to wash the feet of one another by serving one another, loving and forgiving one another. If you are one of those who have the option to choose whether to serve or not the Lord, what will you choose? Will you humble yourself before Adonai, I am, who created everything, including you, and who has all the wisdom and knowledge? Will you worship him, even when you don't understand? When he will give you a child, if he will give your child with special needs, 
what will you do? Or poverty. Or maybe send you as a missionary in a very difficult place. Or something that we are all called to do. Asking you to forgive someone who has abused you. Will you worship him? And here is my final question. Will you trust the Lord during this period of COVID-19? And stop criticizing him? Or even treat him as if he's powerless before COVID-19? He showed you that he's sovereign. Hallelujah. Glory to his name. That he has a plan, even though we may not understand or agree with it. And your call and mine and duty are to trust him, to obey him, and even more, to worship him. Let's pray. Would you like to stand with me? And after that, we'll sing a song and close. Heavenly Father, we glorify your name. We praise you, O Lord. We worship you with grateful hearts. Lord, I thank you so much for the days of fasting and prayer that we were able to humble ourselves before you, O Lord. Not that we would manipulate you, no, Lord, but that we would humble ourselves before you and that our eyes would be open to see how glorious, how majestic you are, O Lord, and that our hearts, Lord, would accept your plan, your will, that will trust you and praise you and glorify you. Whether we understand or not, Lord, how you are ruling the world, we give you glory, O oh Lord. We praise your name. We worship you with our hearts and minds. Lord, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to understand that this is not about us, that you are the one who is glorified, who is praised, and that all things were created for your glory, including us, that you have a plan which we may not understand, but we give you glory, O Lord, and praise you, and we are your worshipers, and we thank you, O Lord, that in John 17, 3 is written that eternal life has started for us, because eternal life, it means to know you and your Son, Lord Jesus Christ, whom we have sent, and we give you glory, and you praise your name. We praise your name. We praise your name, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Glory to the Lord. Let's sing, um, O Lord my God. Have a name. O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, Thy power throughout the universe displayed. 
then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. And when I think that God he saw not sparing, send him to die, I scarce can take it in that on the cross my burden gladly bearing he bled and died to take away my sin then sings my soul my savior god to sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. When Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me joy shall fill my heart. Then shall I bow in humble adoration, and there proclaim, my God, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art, how great thou God. I think like Cyprian said in the beginning that there's nothing like being set free from yourself instead of trying to be in control. It's such foolishness. And it just brought me to this verse before I close in prayer. For God has concluded them all in unbelief that he may have mercy upon all. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. 
How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord, who has been his counselor? Or who has first given to him, and it shall be recompensed to him again? For of him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Father, we just thank you for this morning. And Lord, what we heard, I just pray for myself and for all of us that we would put that into practice and obedience for what we've heard. We want to be just hearers of the word, but doers. So God, just continue that work in us. Just uh, release us and set us free from ourselves so that we can trust and, and believe you, that your love that you have for us is greater than our love for ourselves. And that you have a perfect plan, as we heard this morning. We thank you for this morning, God, and just continually work this into our lives. It's in your name we pray. Amen and amen.